Welcome to Jamie All Over. This is take two. I was in the middle of recording and my dogs were fighting in the hallway really, really loud. And so I get up to go open the door to reprimand them. And the podcast mic or my laptop cord got wrapped around my ankle. I fell. I seriously may have broken my ankle. It's so swollen at the moment. I'm going to play the exact moment where it happened so you can hear it. I think this is hilarious, even though I'm in pain right now. I really love being able to record from home. I don't want to get up and go to a studio. I love recording from home. I'm in my bed right now. This is awesome. I've just been binging Inventing Anna on Netflix, the documentary about Anna Delvey and how she conned New York City's elite. I think I'm more than halfway through. I don't know how many episodes there are because I haven't wanted to look because I don't want it to end. I'm so obsessed with it. I absolutely love it. I can't stop watching it. This is why it's Sunday and I'm only recording now because I've been binging the past couple days and I can't tear myself away from it, but I had to because I need to put out this podcast tonight. So long story short, I love the fact that I don't have to go to a studio all the time, but that comes with workplace hazards such as tripping on a microphone cord when you go to tell your dogs to stop fighting in the hallway. I had kind of a longer podcast episode planned for you guys today. I have a whole list of 10 things that I think should be more normalized or talked about more in society. It's a lot of things that have recently come up for me, things that I've realized throughout the pandemic or coming out of it, and then maybe just some things that I didn't even realize, but through researching this topic, it kind of made me more aware. And I'm like, yeah, these things should be talked about more. So I made a list of 10 and I would love to go through them with you as long as this ankle situation doesn't become more painful than it currently is. But before any of that, I also posted on Instagram letting you know I'm doing a solo episode. So I would love more listener involvement for this episode. I said, what do you guys want to talk about? Do you have any questions? Ask me anything. And a couple really interesting things came through that I would love to get into. So let's do that right away. And then we'll get to my topic as long as I'm not in pain too much. If I am, maybe we'll have to save that for another episode and this will just be a catch-up one. We'll see, but I'm going to do my best for you guys. So the first thing someone asked me was, what happened with the Dallas breakup if you can share? So for those of you who followed me over here from Shenanigans, you may have been aware that I was in a relationship last year and it ended pretty badly. (laughs) I was definitely very brokenhearted after that and it was kind of an epic, very emo breakup. The breakup happened in Dallas at one of his shows. It was pouring raining. It was a lightning storm. I had brought my friend Brett with me for his 30th birthday gift. I flew him to Dallas, got us a nice hotel there. And reason was because my boyfriend's band was also playing with Third Eye Blind. And that is one of Brett's favorite bands. This festival took place outside in a field just outside of Dallas, and it was pouring raining. And I don't know if you guys know what Dallas rain is like, but the raindrops are bigger. It's just so intense. And then lightning started, and Brett has 
a fear of lightning and he was trying to pull me into the porta potties. He was like, please just come into a porta potty with me while it's lightning. Like we have no shelter out here. And I was like, Brett, no, I'm not going into a porta potty. We found this one little tent in the back of the festival and so many of us were huddled underneath this tent while they were kind of waiting it out and seeing if my boyfriend's band would go on and then if Third Eye Blind would even play. Spoiler alert, Third Eye Blind got canceled. They didn't even play. So we went there for nothing as far as Brett was concerned. I wanted to see my boyfriend's band play anyway, but that's really the reason why I brought Brett was to see his favorite. So anyway, amidst all of this chaos, we broke up before my boyfriend's band played and it was a huge crowd. He says it was 20,000, his biggest crowd ever in history to play live in front of. I'm not sure if it was 20,000, it could have been 10,000. I don't know what a large crowd equates to as far as looking at it and being like, yeah, that's 20,000. Yeah, that's 10. I have no idea, but it was a big crowd. And I ended up breaking up with him. I was in this tent and I could see the stage. I could see him on stage and we broke up on the phone call. And then afterwards, he came and he found me. It was still raining at this point. He was soaking wet. I was soaking wet. And we ended up solidifying the breakup in person. And then he ran across the field back to like the stage area, wherever he was going. We were both following each other's locations. I was able to find him. And I turned to Brett and I was like, I don't know if I want to break up with him. Should I go find him? Like, I need to talk to him more about this. And he was like, yeah, go get him. And Brett was like all thinking it was going to end like some rom-com in the rain. And I was running after someone. And I truly was running after someone all muddy in the rain, looking at my phone that was getting soaking wet, trying to find his location. I found him under the stage in an electrical room where him and several musicians were taking cover from the rain. I had my jacket over my head and like I ran up to him and I covered both of us with the jacket and I was like I'm sorry I don't think I want to break up let's talk we ended up talking and deciding to stay together at that point and then we met up with Brett at this bar before my ex had to leave to go to the next they had like bus call at like 11 p.m or something so he had he ended up leaving and that was the last time I ever saw him so to my knowledge we were going to work it out at that point And then he disappeared for a couple days. And the next time I heard from him, he was saying that he thought we should break up. So I never went into detail about the reason why I broke up with him or the reason why he thought we should actually break up after I thought maybe we should give it one more try. And I think I won't go into that. And I always want to respect his privacy. There's always two sides to every story. As hurt as I was... I found out even crazier things after the fact, which sometimes is unfortunately the case. People come forward and they tell you things. I would like to be able to share what I went through, but in doing that, I'm definitely invading his privacy. I still respect him. I still, I wish no ill will towards him. I don't think he's a bad person, even after finding out everything that I found out and knowing his current situation and all of that. I honestly just wish him nothing but the best and I send so much love to him and I'm gonna leave it at that I I think you know the best part of the whole story is the epic breakup and now that I can talk about it with a smile on my face and I can laugh every time I think about Brett trying to pull me into a porta potty or him thinking it was going to be some romantic like emo love story when I'm running after him in the rain (laughs) the whole thing is just really funny now looking back on it and I do realize that everything happens for a reason. I am glad that we're not together anymore. But 
a couple of things happened before the breakup, which kind of adds to this story a bit. The night before I was about to get on the flight to Dallas, I was at CVS picking up some last minute toiletries. And I remember I had two facial cleansers in my basket and I went with one. And then the one I didn't want, I put back on a shelf that it didn't belong on. And I go and I check out and I had this weird voice in my head that said, go put that facial cleanser back where it belongs or else you're going to have bad karma and you and your boyfriend are going to break up in Dallas. I go and I put the facial cleanser back and I'm like, oh my God, I'm such a weirdo. But I believe in, in weird things. I don't know. I believe in karma, although I don't know why one would equate to the other. Anyway, I think the moral of the story is that I had the thought there could be an impending breakup coming. Next morning, I go to leave for the airport and I can't get my key out of my deadbolt. I go to lock my door before I left and my key got stuck in the the lock. So I was there for 10 minutes. I'm like, this is going to make me late to get on the plane. Like, I can't even get my key out. And eventually it just came out. I was just like, okay, that was weird. But I am not taking this as a sign that I shouldn't go. I'm still going to get in that car and drive to LAX. On my way to LAX, the 405 was closed. The entire freeway was closed down. I don't know why. I don't know what was happening. But in my entire life living in California, the 405 has never been completely closed down. And I've even seen a plane crash onto the highway and there was still a lane open so people could go through. So actually I've seen two planes crash onto the 405 and both times it was open, but it was closed this day. And again, I'm like, I'm not going to take this as a sign. I'm going to persevere. I'm going to get there and I'm going to get on my flight. So then I get to LAX taking side streets. I get to the first parking garage that I like to park in because it's a little less expensive than parking in the actual airport and they just put you on a shuttle and it's a couple blocks away from the airport. The one that I normally go to, they were completely full. So then I try a second one, completely full. And I'm like, okay, well now I'm super late. I need to just park. Let me park at the airport. So I get to the LAX airport parking garage, the one that's associated with the terminal I'm flying out of. And that specific parking terminal is closed down, the entire thing. And they tell you to go park in a different one. The other one was on the whole other side of the airport. I'm like, why is this happening? So I end up going over to park over there. And I didn't even take notice at this point where I parked. So I knew I was going to have a hard time when I came back trying to find my car. But now I'm running. And now I have to run through the entire airport, try to get from one terminal to the next. It's so far apart. I called Brett, who was there already. I was like, you need to just get on this flight. I'm not going to make it. I'm going to have to get on the next one. And he's like, are you sure? And I'm like, like, yeah, I found another one. It's leaving in an hour. I'll just switch flights and I'll meet you there an hour later. He's like, okay. So still at this point, I could have been like, you know what? Maybe we just don't go. But I was making it happen. So I get on the next flight, obviously super stressed at this point by the time I land, had not eaten anything. I barely got any sleep because it was such an early flight and I never sleep the night before. So I finally get there. We check into our hotel And he's like, I'm going to go down and get us some food down by the hotel restaurant. I'll bring it up to you while you're getting ready to go to the festival. I was like, okay, thank you. I'm starving. And he goes down and he's like, okay, there's nothing vegan here. Sorry, but I got you two double vodka Red Bulls. (laughs) I'm like, great. Okay. I think I was drinking one as I was getting ready. And then I bring the other one with me to the festival. It was like a block away. I think we ended up Ubering anyway, but they allowed us to take it in the Uber. So we get to the entrance of the festival and the guard was like, you can't bring that in here. Okay, I guess I have to down this. So within about an hour time frame, I was had an empty stomach, had no sleep, and I just downed like two double vodka Red Bulls. 
So not only am I completely wasted, but Red Bull makes me really, really mean on top of it. And I didn't realize, I didn't even think this was going to be an issue. So when we get there, we had VIP tickets, not from my ex, but from the festival itself, because they heard me talking about it. And that came with a couple drinks. So we saw that the line was really long and we were like, well, let's get our drinks before any of the bands start. So I think I got another, I got a beer, he got a beer. And then the whole breakup situation happened and the rain and all of that. I'm not making excuses for my behavior and it was because I was drunk, which I absolutely did that because I was drunk and had I not been drinking, I would have thought it through more, but it's not an excuse and I had good reason to want to end the relationship. Anyway, it was stuff that was like building up. Again, two sides to every story. He had his issues with me too, I'm sure. So after the whole breakup happened, I did realize I never want to be in a situation where my actions are kind of being controlled by a drink. I never would have behaved like that had I not had those drinks. So from that point on, and to this day, I have not had vodka or Red Bull, (laughs) and I have barely had any hard liquor. I stopped drinking for over a month after that breakup, and I did this whole self-improvement thing and I really focused on myself and healing things that that relationship brought out in me and I went through this whole journey which in the end was a great thing to happen to me and it definitely made me a much better person not only that I definitely took a break from dating just to make sure I healed from everything before affecting another person I didn't want to jump right into something else he jumped right into something else so quickly, which was very painful. And a lot of listeners who were following him ended up witnessing this on his social media because I wasn't following him anymore. He wasn't following me anymore. But listeners would send me screenshots of stuff because they were still following him. So that was very painful. Overall, I look back on it all and I'm like, I'm glad it all happened for me. It was all supposed to happen that way. It made me a better person. It made me see like what I want, what I don't want. And now I'm just more aware. I'm more self-aware. I'm more aware of other people's behaviors, all of that. So it was all a good thing. And I hope that satisfies your curiosity about the breakup. And then as far as, you know, the reasons that I think I'll keep private for me, I'm happy to tell tell you guys. I don't need to keep it private. As you know, I'm, I'm a podcaster. I'm willing to open up my life to you. But when someone else is involved, and they're not here to speak for themselves. I'm really cognizant of respecting that. Okay, so the next person wanted to know vegan recipes that are easy for people transitioning. So I guess this is a new vegan or someone who is thinking about becoming vegan. And it can be daunting looking at all these new recipes and what what am I supposed to make for dinner or for lunches? And, you know, it's so easy just to make a turkey sandwich or something like that. So I'll give you one quick, easy recipe to get you started. And it's not so much a recipe because I'm not going to give you measurements or anything like that, but let's say you're used to making tacos with ground beef. Just replace the ground beef with impossible meat and it tastes exactly the same. Your kids, your husband, whoever, your wife, your girlfriend, no one will even notice that you switched it out. It's that good. You'll do the same exact things. You will put some oil in a pan, 
add some onions, add the Impossible Burger, chop it up, let it brown. You can add your taco seasoning, whatever you normally use. Just read the ingredients, make sure that the ingredients are all vegan. Usually they are. I skipped a step where it says to add water when you use a taco mix, but do whatever you like, whatever tastes good for you. But with the Impossible, I tend to prefer not to add the water. And then you'll just swap out your cheese for some vegan cheese. For tacos, I like the, I think it's pronounced Violife, V-I-O life, and it's just shredded cheddar. So I'll just use a little bit of that. I also like the follow your heart cheddar too. And then I'll do like a pico de gallo or just chopped up tomatoes, some form of lettuce, whatever I have. If I have an avocado, I'll put that on or I'll take the extra step and make guacamole. If I do have some vegan sour cream in the house, I will use that as well. So you can do like a taco Tuesday for your family and just buy these ingredients instead of the meat and the dairy ingredients and I don't think anyone will even notice the difference. Since you're going to have all these ingredients out and ready, you can also do nachos using all of these ingredients. Do your tortilla chips, the vegan cheese, some salsa, and then put whatever toppings you want on after that you normally use. They're delicious. Okay, next question is where are you moving and what is the difference between LA and OC? I'm not technically moving. I'm leaving my job that came with the West Hollywood apartment. So since I'm leaving the job, last day is March 31st, I also need to vacate that apartment. But this whole time, I've had my Orange County place. And during the pandemic, I really wanted to get out of LA, come down to Orange County. So I'm just moving out of that place and I'm gonna be in Orange County full time now. I lived in West Hollywood for over 10 years. I used to love West Hollywood. I love the fact that I could walk up to Sunset. I could walk down to Santa Monica Boulevard and all the bars and restaurants are a quick Uber ride. So at that point in my life, it was a really central and fun spot to be. But as the years went by, I noticed changes. There were more and more homeless people hanging out on the block where I would walk my dog. There was a mugging that occurred right outside of my apartment building. Another time, there was a naked man in our pool screaming that he was going to murder somebody. I called the police, and when they came, they said that they couldn't arrest him because he didn't name who he was going to murder. I was like, are you serious? Shortly after that, there was a homeless man outside of 7-Eleven down the block from my apartment, and someone who was going into 7-Eleven decided to give him money or buy him something, and as they were handing this to him, he killed the person with a machete. And I was like, okay, I'm starting to feel unsafe in my neighborhood. Generally speaking, West Hollywood isn't one of the more dangerous areas of LA, but I just noticed changes progressively getting worse and worse and police unable to really do anything about it. Combined with the fact that I was wanting to go out less and less, I wasn't so much into the whole party lifestyle. 3 a.m. I was sleeping and I would hear people screaming out on the streets or glass breaking or just disruptive activities. And I had Ivy and then I was like, I don't even feel safe taking her in her stroller and walking around the block anymore. All of that combined, I knew it was time to get out of West Hollywood. The good things about it, like I said, everything is so close by, but the bad thing about West Hollywood, in addition to the safety concerns that I had, was that it's kind of landlocked. Like, it takes you forever just to get to a freeway. You have your little bubble of places that you can go close by, but if you need to go somewhere else, it takes at least 30, 40 minutes just to get to a freeway. On top of that, 
when I did get out of West Hollywood and was starting to spend more time in Orange County and then I would have to return to West Hollywood for work, I would notice a shift in energy. Now this sounds a little out there, but I didn't notice it, I guess, as I was living there because you just progressively get used to it. But when I left and then returned to it, and I think other people can speak to this as well when they leave LA and then they come back. A lot of people are like, I hate LA. LA has so many good things about it. I don't want to be sitting here bashing this city that I spent 10 years in and I still love. The energy is just different. I equate it to the type of people that live there versus Orange County. In Los Angeles, you have people who are new to the city, just moved there. They're chasing their dreams. Good for them. But they're probably struggling in some way. They're working jobs that they hate to be able to work on their dream. They're worried about being able to pay rent. Already there's, there's an anxiety involved with a lot of people that live there. It's also filled with a lot of people who hate to say it, but if they're drawn to that industry, to entertainment, and I hate to generalize, but there's a certain type of person that wants to be quote unquote famous. That person wants all the attention. That person might be a narcissist. That person will most likely always put themselves first. Not saying there is anything wrong with any of it. There's a ton of people who just love the creativity the art, and that's what their passion is. And they're not a bad person. There's definitely a mix. There's definitely a spectrum. I've been lucky enough to find people in entertainment who aren't like that, who are good people, who are kind and put others first. But I think you have to seek those people out and they might be a little bit harder to find than the typical person who lives there, who wants to know what you can do for them. And if you can't do anything for them, they really don't have a use for you. It's all fake friendships. When you're thrown into that, it can be a very lonely environment. So I just think there's a lot of sadness. There's a lot of people drinking and doing drugs to cover up that. I think there's a lot of anxiety. Combine it all and you just have this mixture of negative energy when you go to that place. That's what I feel. A lot of people aren't empathetic like that and they don't feel a change in energies based on their environments. I do. Anytime I return to LA for work, I do it in doses and it's nice. There's still a lot about LA that I love, but when I leave and I return back to Orange County and I pull up to like where I live and I see rows of palm trees and beautiful landscaping and flowers and not one piece of garbage on the ground and not one person screaming crazy things on the street, I feel completely safe to do whatever, to walk, to go out and It allows me to thrive more and have a higher quality of life to live somewhere where I feel safe and to also see beautiful landscapes and beautiful things. I can look out my window and I see a beautiful mountain where there's a hiking trail and I can go hiking and see the ocean and it's see greenery and I can stand on grass. That is to me, having a connection to nature is just so important. I think it balances out our energy. I think it helps clear a lot for us. For me, I need that. Growing up, I lived in the suburbs outside of New York City, but every summer I would go to Pennsylvania to my grandparents' country house and I would run barefoot on acres and acres of lawns and we had apple trees and I went blueberry picking and I went horseback riding and I would swim in a lake. We had no phone and no TV. And in fact, we didn't even have electricity, believe it or not. 
my grandparents' house was on top of a mountain and there were 50 acres around it. And so it was impossible or very expensive, but when they built it, it was impossible to install electricity lines. So everything, we had gas lights. It was so, I mean, I thought as a kid, I thought it was so cool. And we would have flashlights at nighttime and we had little lanterns. It was like I was living back in the olden days or something. But it allowed me to understand the difference of city life versus country life and nature and just laying on a lawn chair and hearing birch trees like the wind going through the trees I still remember what that sounds like I still remember what the air smells like up there because I got so used to that as a kid being able to have both I understand how important being in nature is and people who live in the city I highly recommend Go somewhere where you're in nature. Don't go, just go to another city. <laughs> As humans, I think we're missing that. We can't just live amongst concrete all the time. We need to find a balance. I'm used to getting in my car and going to a mall and shopping and then being able to load up my car and drive back and not have to deal with impossible parking. I love that. I love the ease of that. In LA, parking is always an issue. You always have to pay for it. I never pay for parking down here. <laughs> I just drive wherever I want to go and go in. And to me, that is just a higher quality of life. The downside is anytime I do want to socialize or go to LA or meet up with friends, it's a drive. You know, with traffic, it could be up to like an hour and 45 minutes. Without traffic, it's less than an hour. And with gas prices the way that they are, I'm definitely not inclined to socialize as much as I used to. And on that note, I'm going to go put some ice on my ankle right now. I'm back. It's definitely sprained. It's not broken, but I can't put any weight on it. It's swollen, not a crazy amount like I would have thought considering how much pain was involved, but it's my left ankle, which I think is way better because at least I can still drive. I don't know how long this is going to last if I need to get crutches. I'm going to be fine. It's definitely not broken. And that's all that matters. I do want to point out the ridiculousness of this, though, because in 13 years of doing real estate and being on countless construction sites, wearing hard hats, nails and tools and all kinds of hazards around, even just driving a car. I've never had one injury or accident, knock on wood. How do I injure myself on the job, you might ask? Or someone will ask if I'm going to be on crutches. And I'm going to have to say, I sprained my ankle from podcasting from my bed. What the heck? <laughs> How insane is that? Seriously, I just have to laugh. Someone needs to call OSHA on me because my workplace conditions are clearly not safe. I forgot to do listener of the week, so I'm back for that. I wanted to give you an update, tell you not to worry about me. And let's get into my list. Let's just do it. I don't feel all that bad. I think I can concentrate. So let's get her done. All right, listener of the week. This one is from Dharma Amy, and she says, talking with Ryan Bailey. That's a great conversation. Short and sweet, but thank you so much for leaving a review and five stars. And guess what, Dharma Amy? I was actually just talking to Ryan Bailey yesterday. We were saying how I still need to schedule a time to go on his podcast, So Bad It's Good with Ryan Bailey. And I was telling him that so many of you have requested him back. So I would love to do a follow-up with him. Maybe Ryan can be once every few months. He'll pop in for his 
pop culture rundowns. So that's upcoming. Okay, so let's get into my list of 10 things that should be more socially acceptable as per me. Number one, doing certain things alone. Why is it socially acceptable to do certain things alone, like getting your nails done, going to the gym, going food shopping? But if you see someone at the movies or at a restaurant by themselves, you might automatically feel sorry for them or you might think that they're lonely. I have been pressured by this social stigma as well. I don't think I've ever gone to like a nice restaurant by myself and sat at a table and eaten by myself. The thought of it doesn't really appeal to me, but I do want to think about this more and why we think it's okay to do certain things alone, but other things it's not. I do feel sorry. Like if I see an old man eating dinner by himself, I feel sorry for him and I think he's lonely. And maybe he is and maybe he's not, but maybe I shouldn't jump to conclusions. Maybe he has his wife at home and he's been with her for 60 years and he's sick of her and he wants to go out for a meal by himself. Who knows? But as far as going to the movies, I know a few people that do that by themselves and they love it. And it's been on my to-do list. It's kind of something I want to like take on and be like, yeah, I did that by myself. So I'm going to try that and I'll report back how that feels. Okay. Number two, not wearing makeup. I know you might say, Jamie, I've never even seen you post a photo with no makeup on. In fact, I did once. I was getting a facial and I posted my skin afterwards, but it's not a regular or common occurrence. Throughout this pandemic, I've never not worn makeup more. And so now when you kind of return to normal life, I'm not in the mood anymore to do my makeup. I don't want to, but I have to say when I go out and I don't wear makeup, I used to be a little self-conscious of it, but the other night I went out, I didn't put on any makeup and I was fine. Nothing bad is going to happen. (laughs) We can do it. In addition to that, it's made me want to take care of my skin in a way where I don't need makeup. So this whole 75 hard thing where I'm drinking so much extra water, I've seen wonders in my skin. And I think that's one of the reasons why I was okay going out without makeup the other day. I've never gotten a peel, like a chemical peel before, which is supposed to remove the top layer of your skin and kind of kick the collagen in. And it's supposed to reveal new, fresh, glowing skin, whatever, whatever. I have done microdermabrasion. I've done hydrofacials. I've done an IPL, which is like a laser that supposedly clears your skin, gets rid of broken capillaries, stuff like that. But I've never done the chemical peel just because it sounds really scary. Burning off a layer or multiple layers of skin. And sometimes your skin peels depending on the strength and it gets really red. And that's never really appealed to me. But I bought these at-home chemical peel pads and I have yet to try them. I bought it off of Amazon. It got really good reviews. I haven't tried it yet because I think there's a little something in me that's still saying like, you bought it off of Amazon and it doesn't matter what the reviews say. <laughs> Maybe a professional should be doing this to you. So I'll let you know where that goes, but I may give it a shot. Okay, next on my list is not drinking. And I don't mean people who are sober. I just mean going out in a social setting and someone choosing not to drink. How many times is that person going to get pressured by their friends? Oh, you're no fun. How come you're not drinking? Oh, come on. Just have one with me. Just have a shot. 
constantly. I think it should be more accepted that some people just don't like it. I think it should be more accepted that maybe someone is doing a cleanse. I think they should be able to do it without anyone assuming that they have some sort of problematic history with alcohol. And even if they do, leave them alone. If they're out with you and they're saying, I'm not drinking tonight, instead of saying, oh, come on, just have one more shot. Why don't you try saying, okay, I'll join you. And honestly, you don't have to. There's nothing wrong if you want to drink and they don't. And they're not going to be mad if they don't drink and you do. But just a little food for thought. Okay, what number are we up to? I don't even know. My next one is tattoos and piercings in professional settings. It's way more common. A neck tattoo used to be like the job buster. No one could get a job if they had a neck tattoo. That was like the next frontier of an alternative lifestyle. Now, neck tattoos are kind of common. And I feel like the ante was upped and now it's like a face tattoo is the new neck tattoo. But at some point that's going to kind of become the norm. Maybe not the norm, but like more commonplace. Either way, tattoos and piercings, that doesn't make a person unprofessional. What is professional anyway? All that should matter is that they're the best person to do a particular job. We still feel the need to have to like cover them up for job interviews or at the office. Some offices might not even allow you to show them. And it's unfortunate that assumptions are made about a person based on their appearance and that they're less likely to get a job because of that. Next one on my list is going to community college. With the high cost of education, I think going to community college is really, really smart if someone plans on getting a degree. They go for their first two years. It's inexpensive in comparison to a typical college or university, but yet it's still looked down upon by some people, particularly in the U.S. What's the alternative? Tuition from a university is going to leave the majority of students with a lifetime of debt, and the interest on all of it is just never-ending. I say let's stop looking down upon people who make a smart financial decision and aren't stuck in debt for the rest of their lives. Next one is talking about our pay. This has always been a taboo subject. You never discuss what your salary is. But if we discussed what our salary is among our coworkers, maybe women would have found out way sooner that they were maybe getting half the amount of pay that their male counterparts were getting to perform this same job. Inequality is a huge problem and not talking about our pay only serves to hide it and cover it up. I think more people should open up about their pay. Let's stop saying that it's tacky to talk about it. And for the sake of fairness, we should know if we're being paid the same amount as others with the same job and experience. Next one is saying no to an invitation or just saying no in general. Sometimes we just aren't feeling it. And it could be so hard to say no if you don't have a great excuse. Everyone's like, oh, I don't want to go, but what am I going to tell them? And then they rack their brain with an excuse. How much time are you going to spend at dinner parties you don't want to go to? We can normalize saying no. And if this pandemic taught us anything, it's to reevaluate what is important and what we don't need anymore. And who is important and who we care to spend our time with. Who did you miss? Who did you not miss? What things do you miss? What things did you think that you would have missed that you didn't really mind not having anymore? Time to reevaluate all of that and prioritize your own time and only do the things that you want to do. 
I've had so many conversations with friends who tell me that they have to go to this baby shower or they have to do this or that and they don't want to, but they feel obligated. Let's stop obligating people to do anything. If I invite somebody to something, I never want someone to come out of obligation. I would much prefer them to say, sorry, they can't make it. And we don't need to give excuses. We don't need to say why. Sometimes we just don't feel like it and we don't have to tell, like they don't deserve the excuse. They just deserve the respect of a reply, of an answer. On the flip side of this, if you do ask somebody to do something and they don't want to do it, ignoring is never a reply. It's, I know people say no response is a response. I think that is just so rude. If I invite you to my birthday party, I have a certain number of people that I'm planning on. And let's say you don't want to come, but you don't want to hurt my feelings. So you're just going to ignore my text that I took the time to think of you and invite you to my birthday. That's very rude. And it's hurtful for the person asking. And it's more hurtful for you to say nothing than for you to say no. So get your courage up, be an adult and say, no, I'm sorry, but thank you for thinking of me. And that is the extent that you need to say. If someone pushes you, if someone asks for reasons, if someone doesn't take a no for an answer, screw them. Okay, next one. Being single as an adult. Forcing a relationship that isn't right is never a good idea. So many people are in relationships because they don't want to be single. And as we get older, there's even more pressure to pair off because we're like, oh, I don't want to die alone. But what about the joy of doing whatever you want whenever you want with nobody judging you watching as many real housewives episodes as you want to watch and no one there to be like i can't believe you watch this garbage and judge you for it and someone sleeping next to you snoring and rolling over and hitting you and giving you bad sleep all night i think single people are and you're gonna laugh i think they're discriminated upon and that might be a harsh word to use but think of it like this at weddings, if you're single and you haven't been in a serious relationship, you aren't permitted to bring a plus one in most cases. And I completely understand that weddings are expensive and you don't want to just pay for some stranger. I get it. And I'm not saying that this should change across the board, but I'm using this as an example. Let's say I'm now a person that has decided I will never be in a serious relationship again. It's not what I want. I'm not saying I've decided that. It's a thought. I don't know where that will lead to, but I have thought like maybe I never want a relationship again. However, just because I don't want that doesn't mean that I wouldn't want a companion or company at an event or at a wedding. It would be nice to have a friend at least or a date sitting next to me at a table where I don't know anyone and we're eating dinner and all of this and dancing. It'd be great if I could bring someone even if I'm not serious about that person because maybe that's my lifestyle choice. But because I've possibly made that lifestyle choice, I am now banished to the singles table. And I feel like something like a wedding is much more fun when you have a date. I'm not saying you can't go alone and not have fun. I've gone single to weddings. I've gone with serious boyfriends to weddings and I've gone with not so serious dates to weddings. I've done it all. But in my experience, the most fun is when you have someone with you, whether you're serious about them or not, rather than going alone. And like I said, weddings are expensive and I'm not saying like people need to change protocol about that. But even something like a dinner party or going out to dinner, I can't tell you how many times friends have said to me, no, you can't bring someone random. 
No, we don't want to hang out with someone random. And I just find that really rude to my lifestyle choice because I'm choosing to not be in a relationship right now. But like I said, that doesn't mean I choose to be alone in every single moment of every part of my life. It's nice to have someone pull out a chair for me. It's nice to sit next to someone and have casual conversation at a table when everyone is coupled off all talking to each other. It's nice to have someone say, oh, you need it. You need this or you need that. Let me go grab that for you or let me open this door for you. It's nice. But if I'm not serious about someone, a lot of friends think I don't deserve to have that because they can't be bothered with taking the time and being social with someone who they may not see again. What's the harm? I don't get it. Okay. I think we're at number nine and number nine is taking yourself on a date. I don't know if this is a bad or a good segue from what I just said. (laughs) We don't need someone else to justify treating ourselves. We can treat ourselves. We can take ourselves to go get a massage. We can take ourselves on a vacation. Don't wait to have someone in your life to do these nice things that you imagine doing with another person. You can still do them on your own. I grant you permission to do so. I'm trying to think of an example of something that I do. I definitely take myself for massages. I've traveled alone and I like it. I have this dream of traveling to a tropical island alone and just after my job is over and just laying on a beach and turning off my phone and writing. That's been my dream. (laughs) Hopefully I'll do that at some point soon. Like I said, taking myself out to a nice restaurant by myself, I don't think I can conquer that yet. So I'm just going to be honest with you. If any of you have done that, I would love to hear how that worked out for you, how it felt. Okay, and number 10. I have not saved the most fun one for last. It's kind of more a serious one. Something that I think should be more talked about and more socially acceptable to talk about. Less of a stigma, I suppose. And that is having HPV. No one's happy to have it or any STD, in fact. But the truth is it's pretty common. And the majority of adults will have HPV at some point. I was reading that it's over 80% of everyone will contract it by the time they're 45. Now, most of it will be cleared from the body and you'll never even know you had it. But then there's another type that's considered high grade and that can lead to cancer. In women, cervical cancer, 79 million Americans are currently infected with HPV and about 14 million people become newly infected every year. And there's no cure for it. Men and women can both get it. And to share a story with you, I had a roommate back when I lived in New Jersey who had HPV. She had the high grade, and she had to go through a procedure called a LEAP procedure, which removes the abnormal cells from the cervix before it turns into cancer. That doesn't mean that she's in the clear forever. It's something that she always has to keep an eye on and it can come back. This was the first time I had ever heard of it was through her because she was actually writing a book about it. And her book is out. It's called Losing It, the semi-scandalous story of an ex-virgin. And my former roommate's name is Danielle Sepulveris. And she was writing this book when we lived together. And I will admit at the time, I kind of was nervous for her. I said, you're going to put this book out and everyone is going to know that you have this. And I was just very ignorant. And I didn't realize, one, how brave she was being and how helpful she was going to be to so many other people. And I really, you know, looking back on it, I commend her for writing this book. And it's on Amazon. It's been out for years. And I never even actually had the chance to 
congratulate her or anything. Let me see. She looks like she published it in 2012, 10 years ago. Wow. She throws in some humor in the story and she was actually a virgin (laughs) and her first time was when she actually contracted it. The whole book is about that. And I just kind of want to remind all you ladies out there to get your pap smear because cervical cancer can be prevented and that's the way to do it. So if it's been over a year, here's your friendly reminder, go make an appointment. (laughs) All right, guys, I think we've covered it all. My ankle feels a little bit better. You've taken my mind off of it. Thank you. Initially, I thought it was going to be a short one and I was like, oh, I want to kind of do a longer one today. So I'm happy I was able to hit every topic I wanted to hit. Hope you guys have an amazing week and I will talk to you next week.